Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to my channel. If you are new here, hello and welcome. My name is Despina, or you can just call me Desi for short. Um, in this channel, you will find all things lifestyle related. So uh, leveling up that lifestyle and trying to improve every aspect of your life from losing weight, a diet, exercise, um, lifting weights, losing some fat, um, dating your love life, all that kind of good stuff. So in today's video, I have interviewed a very interesting person. His name is Danny Matranga and he's a personal trainer and kinesiology expert from California, I believe, I think. I think everyone's from California that I've interviewed. Like, why aren't I there? Um, and we spoke about everything from nutrition to how to build a big fat booty. And when I say that, you guys know that I've had my own struggles with my with my fitness journey. I used to be a size four. And when back in my days when I used to model, um, I practically ruined my metabolism by uh, overdoing the protein supplements overdoing the exercise all in a fit to stay skinny and it took me a long time to get back to where I was when in my teens so now I'm 25 and I feel a lot better but it's been a long journey to get back there so this video is for people that are looking to get fit and lose weight um, build some lean muscle and just feel great. So if you guys want to get into the gym and start feeling fit, well then this video is perfect for you. So continue watching. And as usual, if you enjoyed this video, give it a big thumbs up, subscribe and press the bell button so you don't miss a video. And I love you all. How are you? I'm good. I just, I got back from my haircut. I was cutting it like dangerously close. And I was <laughs> like, I hope this meeting doesn't have a password. And I was like, oh no, there's a password. And I was like trying to copy and paste it for like the last minute. And I yeah. So you're in the USA, right? Whereabouts? Yeah. California, like an hour from San Francisco. Sonoma an hour County. from San Francisco. Wow. So you're 16 hours behind me. That's, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. It, it's uh, on our little email. The date is actually like a full day ahead. I know um, it's so wild for the time it was scheduled. Yeah. So whenever I do any type of interview with people from Australia, this tends to happen or people even from, I even noticed it a little bit in the United Kingdom because it's a pretty big jump out there mm. too, but I notice it most with people from Australia. All right, daddy. Um, so I found you on Instagram and I've been following you for a while on my private account and um, then on my public one. And then I was like, you know, this guy is not, is not like the rest. Um, speaking from me, um, I started my fitness journey when I was modeling back. So I stopped modeling because I got really sick. Um, mm -hmm. And to keep my body in shape, I was a size six. That's a US size four. Um, mm -hmm. I was on this crazy high protein literally zero carb diet my diet consisted of protein shakes protein bars and tiny amounts of food that were spaced out every two to three hours and my coach um i don't want to blame him but he pushed me even when he knew that 
um, my body was deteriorating and yeah. it got to the point where my body was no longer responding to the diet, the exercising, nothing at all. And I got two chronic diseases that now I can't get rid of. Um, so mm. I guess that's what really interested me about you. So um, firstly, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? And then can you kind of tell us um, these kinds of stories, have you heard them before and how prominent are they? Yeah, no, I think that's a great lead in and um, a little bit about me. I've been coaching or personal training and operating as a nutrition coach uh, since I was 18, I went to school to get a degree in kinesiology, which is the study of human movement. That was something I was always interested in. And I wanted to pay my way through school. So I said, hey, what better job to get than a job as a personal trainer at a local big box gym where I can hopefully position clients around my academic schedule and I can have a work study thing that allows me to pay the bills. And so I did that through all of my undergrad and ended up graduating. I've gotten several certifications and traveled all over the United States learning as much as I can from the people in the industry who I look up to. And over the course of the 10 years I've been kind of doing that, I've gotten to a place where I've started creating more fitness content that has quite a bit of reach on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I've been communicating um, and like longer form articles and on YouTube videos. So I'm somebody who still coaches and still works with people as an in-person and online coach. Uh, but also a lot of what I do um, on the internet is trying to communicate um, what I know in ways that are what I would describe as very digestible. And I think one of the demographics that I try to communicate most to is the demographic that you might fall into or what you just described, which are women who have fallen prey to some of the misinformation and harmful tactics used in the fitness and nutrition space for people to get lean or to lose weight that can really be damaging. And there's a lot of women out there, um, certainly, who would fall into the category that you had described earlier with your own story. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so you just told us how you got into the industry. Um, what do you think sets you apart from the other 100,000 uh, PTs because in my opinion, everywhere you look, especially Instagram, there are so many PTs. And I just find it interesting how the majority of these people shouldn't even be qualified as PTs. That like they're not yeah. giving out proper advice. They're not even qualified. So what do you think sets you apart from everybody else? Well, I, I actually, I, I think it's kind of simple and a lot of it, um, it could be, you know, self-promoting, but truthfully, it's that I've been doing it for a long time. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've done this for about 10 years. I actually just tweeted that like eight in 10 personal trainers leaves the industry within a year because That's it's true. a job that people get into because they enjoy working out. And then they find out that it's a job that you can only be good at if you actually care. And so if you don't really care about people, it's very hard to um, stick around for very long because truthfully, people are going to communicate and they're going to say, hey, that dude's a shitbag. He ran me into the ground. He never responded to my texts. I'm amazed. I, I like, look, I'm not perfect. I've certainly missed an email, but I am amazed at how many people um, 
message me going, Hey, would you be my coach? My current coach hasn't responded to my email in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, that's somebody who doesn't care. But unfortunately, this industry is really saturated by, I think, well-intentioned people who like to work out and maybe think that they can inspire other people to do it. And they see like influencers and they see the sexiness of the fitness industry. And then they start coaching and they're like, okay, this is really hard. I'm out. But because so many of them are making shitty content and so many of them are fall through the cracks. And unfortunately, just because you've been doing it a long time doesn't mean you've been doing it a long time. Well, I do think a lot of the bad ones get weeded out. Some fall through the cracks and choose to be less than integrous. And I think I've done my best over the course of the 10 years I've been in the industry to try to put out information that I believe is evidence-based. I try to gather from the fact that I work with people in person as well. And so I'm very closely tied into the things that people are dealing with. Mm -hmm. If all you do is online coaching, which is what people who want to make money would prefer to do mostly online coaching because it gives you a lot more leverage. You can have a lot more clients paying you more money. But if you stay and you talk to people in person, you really hear the stories and you can get that connection that you can only have with in-person personal training. I think it keeps you really tapped into the pulse of where people are at and what people are struggling with. And I try to blend that into the content that I make. And I get a lot of people saying things like, wow, you know, I didn't know, like, this is me, this is me, this is me, OMG, tag me next time, at me next time. And I'm like, well, it's probably because I train somebody who's really similar to you and we talk for a couple hours a week. And so that's probably the few things that set me apart. Okay. So what's the biggest issue or what's the biggest concern that clients come to you with? Yeah, I would say that most clients that come to me have body composition related goals. They would like to look better um, in a bikini. They would like to look better naked. They would look like to look better for their wedding. So a lot of them are body composition specific and they have a goal in mind. Like they have a rough idea of what they want to accomplish. So it's more than just like ambiguous weight loss. They're like, I know I want to lose weight or I know I want to gain muscle and I'm trying to probably get close to this physique. And so I think that those are pretty reasonable goals, but Mm -hmm. most of them would be fall into the category of losing fat, building muscle. A smaller subset are people who are like, hey, I have a really bad relationship with exercise. Uh, Hey, I'm really, really struggling with my nutrition and I have a hard time with my accountability. A lot of them are people that I would, uh, who need more aggressive weight loss. So I have a number of clients who are actually over 300 pounds. And that's something that a lot of coaches are like only working with people who want to compete in a bikini show. And Mm. it's like, I'm literally look, I'm, I work with quite a few people, not the majority, but quite a few people who, you know, are much heavier than what a lot of people would expect. And so it's broad spectrum. Okay. Um, you brought up nutrition. Now this is a really tricky subject, but how important is nutrition? Well, I think when we talk about body composition, it's extremely important, right? Like there are silly little things you'll hear thrown around like abs are made in the kitchen or it's 70% diet and 30% training. Mm. Um, I don't know how true any of those things are. I think everything's important. I think sleep is important. Training is important. Having a good relationship with food is important. Having a good relationship with people in your lives is important. But I really do believe that nutrition is probably more impactful than training 
with regards to body composition. So if your goals are weight loss related or even muscle gain related, your nutrition is going to be critically important. As far as health is concerned, there's very few things you can do uh, to improve your long-term health outlook, if you will, than eat in a nutritious manner. If you can feed your body and nourish it with the right amount of macronutrients, the right amount of micronutrients, you make sure that you're getting adequate fiber for the health of your gut. You make sure you're getting some of the right balance of omega-3s and omega-6s and you're staying hydrated. These are very simple things, but like there are very few more actionable things that you could do than have a nutritional strategy that allows you to be nourished. That's one of the best things you can do for performance, longevity, cognitive health. And so I think the answer to how, how important is it? I think it's extremely important. Okay. All right. Um, now, interesting before you said it's very important to balance your micronutrients and macronutrients. Um, I've never heard the word micro before, but I just want to get your quick opinion on the carnivore diet. I'm sure you've heard of that. It's, it's quite trendy over there in the USA. And there's quite a few people yeah. that are in the fitness industry space that are using it. And what's your view? Yeah. So I think that diets um, come and go all the time. And some remain and stick around and become popular. Um, keto is one of those diets. And every once in a while, one of these mainstay diets will have an offshoot. For example, veganism is a, uh, some people would say it's not a diet. They say it's a lifestyle, but we'll just use it as a umbrella here. People who follow a vegan diet. And then there's an offshoot of people who follow a raw vegan diet. Mm -hmm. The carnivore diet to me, when I look at it and I'm trying to discern where the hell did somebody decide that only eating meat was a good idea? Like, I feel like this is a fringe, uh, just in general, like arriving at this conclusion seems somewhat nonsensical. I'm all for challenging, you know, deeply held beliefs, but it's like, hey, we, we're pretty darn sure if we're sure about anything in nutrition, it's that most of these plants are good and we should probably eat more of them. But off of this keto diet kind of stemmed this carnivore diet, which is basically keto in the absence of anything that comes from plants. So it's exactly. a lot of meat a lot of saturated fat, which again, that's a debate for another day. But my personal opinion is that it's very impractical. Um, I think it got extremely popular in the United States because Joe Rogan references it many times on his podcast. And what Joe Rogan says is a uh, he's one of the more impactful people culturally here in America. I'm not sure what his reach is in Australia, but Joe Rogan has a Pretty lot big. of pull. And so if Joe Rogan says he's trying a diet, you can bet like three in every 10 dudes probably heard that episode and is going to maybe try it. And so it's really become quite popular, but I think it's a very impractical way to eat. I don't love that it doesn't contain a lot of fiber. And from my understanding of the literature and a lot of what is being cited, uh, with regards to how this might be beneficial is very short term. We don't have a lot of long term data to support only eating in that way over the lifespan. So I'm hesitant to say it's a great idea. I'm not an expert on the carnivore literature. And I know that there's plenty of literature out there that you could pull to support different ways of eating. My, my skepticism is surface level. 
I don't think that it's fundamentally sound to not include nutritious plant matter in your diet. I think it's extremely impractical. And I think a diet like this is fringe at best, and it's impossible to say it's good for everyone. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, what diet or what way of consuming food do you recommend to the majority of your clients? Yeah. So I, I would say a whole foods uh, diet. So try to prioritize whole foods, meaning foods that are in their non-processed form. So it, it would be bought as a single ingredient food, meaning I just bought the chicken. I just bought the spinach. I just bought the apples. Those are single ingredient foods. So mostly whole single ingredient foods, um, a moderate amount of protein, if you're active, I would always recommend getting more, particularly if you're resistance training or you have a preference for being leaner, I would recommend getting between 0.7 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. That's what we recommend over here. Um, I don't know what that is in kilograms, which I'm sorry, um, but okay. basically we're looking for a, a moderate to higher protein intake to support muscle and, and recovery from training. And even if you don't train, I would still recommend getting a moderate amount of protein. Um, carbohydrates are important. A lot of people are very quick to cut carbohydrates out of the diet, but things like potatoes, rice, whole grains, can uh, fruit especially, can offer a tremendous amount of micronutrients. You mentioned earlier you don't know what, that, what those are. Micronutrients are things like vitamins and minerals. Mm -hmm. Macronutrients are things like proteins, carbs, and fats. And so we will generally get our micronutrients from our macronutrients. So when I eat an apple, which is a macronutrient, it's carbs, that's the main macronutrient, I'm getting a little bit of vitamin C. I'm getting a little bit of vitamin A, I'm getting a little bit of fiber. Those might all be considered micronutrients. So selecting whole foods that are gonna supply protein and carbs and getting the right amount of fat particularly from sources that are aligned with better health, like getting the right balance of omega-3s and omega-6s. And then lastly, lots of variety, lots of variety in the fruits and vegetable selection so that you're getting different micronutrients. It's a very simplified and unscientific way to describe this. But generally, if a plant has, or if, a, if vegetables have a variety of colors, the vegetables you eat, you'll get a variety of micronutrients. So opting for different colored vegetables and including those in your diet, staying hydrated. And I don't recommend restricting foods you enjoy. I instead recommend trying to find ways that you can implement them into your life so that you can enjoy what food does have to offer and the social elements of food. But keep about as a rough percentage, 80% of your eating within the constraints that I mentioned earlier, focusing on getting those macros, those micros from mostly whole foods. Okay. Um, what's your take on protein powders and supplements, for example, creatine and glutamine and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that there are a lot of good supplements. I think, though, the big problem is their effectiveness is oversold and people spend a lot of money on them thinking that they're going to get tremendous responses. But the actual ability for me, like a supplement to create meaningful change is quite low. Like the only one that's really going to create meaningful performance change um, that you feel is like caffeine and creatine. And it, creatine still takes a couple weeks to fully saturate. Protein powder, I don't think of as a supplement. I think of it more as like a food. I know that sounds kind of weird, but 
it is just like a form of dehydrated milk and it is processed, right? But I find that protein powder is something I recommend people have on hand. But you mentioned when you were in this place where you were really struggling, you were eating like only protein powders and protein bars. <laughs> yeah, That's was- a really, that's not a really ideal way to consume your protein. It and was it about doesn't so much. Happen. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there. It was about no, go for it. Two protein shakes a day, two protein bars, and then two tiny, like proper meals. Yeah. And so I don't think that that's probably the best way to get your protein in. Mm. I think if you could source it from a balance of if some people don't like animal protein, which I understand there are plant-based proteins, but if you can source it from a variety of places, you'll probably beat a shake, but that's my general approach to nutrition. Okay. And I think as far as supplements go, less tends to be more focus on what's been proven to work and shown to be effective, which is quite limited. And for people who want to get the most out of their training and their recovery, I would say fish oil, creatine, uh, a multivitamin might be beneficial and have some protein on hand. And anything beyond that is probably not going to deliver otherworldly results. (laughs) All right. Um, You spoke about creatine. Now, what does creatine do for your body? Like, how does it work? So creatine, without going like too much into the biological, we have this little energy currency in our body called ATP. And we use ATP to do a lot, pretty much everything that happens in our body. Our body is spending, if you will, ATP. When we exercise, we deplete ATP really quickly. And creatine actually helps us replenish ATP more quickly than we otherwise would be able to without supplementing it or without getting enough in our diet. So supplementing with creatine can help with ATP regeneration, which is beneficial for exercise. You're also going to see increased water retention, which is generally positive for things like muscular hydration. And there are some studies that will show creatine helps with minimizing fatigue and things like soreness. But overall, it's the most studied sports supplement out there. And I tend to recommend it for healthy adults who want to get the most out of their training. Okay. Okay.